Blog Talk Radio. I'll have some good days. I've had some hills to climb. I've had some weary days and some lonely nights but when I when I look around and I think things over know what? All of my good days outweigh my bad days. I, I won't complain. Sometimes the clouds hang low. I can hardly See the road. I ask the question, Lord. Lord, why so much pain? But he knows what's best for me. Say thank you, Lord. Ah, I won't complain. Lord, has been so good to me. Has he been good? He's been good to me. And this world, are you could ever be? He's been so good to me. You know what he did? Yeah, he dried all of my tears away. Midnight in today, so I'll just say thank you, Lord. Yes, God bless you. We just heard from Reverend Paul Jones. I won't complain. I wanted to play that uh, a little longer tonight because we have our guest preacher on the phone and our guest teacher always. Apostle Alexander Lockamy, and this is his favorite song, and I wanted to listen to that because as one of his favorite songs, I said, what is so special about this one? And in a conversation with him, he told me that if we will focus on what God has done for us and what God is doing for us, we will be more grateful and we won't complain. You know, it's awesome to have a man in your life, and this is my godfather, that has that type of wisdom gift that can give you some good advice, some solid advice. But you know what, listeners, most importantly, that this man right here, Apostle Lockamy, can take us in the inner court behind the veil and see the revelation and understand the revelation knowledge of God. It's like hidden gems and diamonds. Can you imagine what he told me, that if I would be more grateful, that my outlook would be more positive, that my faith would be restored, and that I won't complain for all the little negative things that's going on in my life, but see the bigger picture 
that I am saved through the grace of God. So I'm going to uh, bring Apostle Lockme on the phone right now because truly he has some good wisdom keys for us. I'm taking time tonight because I want to build up and encourage you that you need to listen every Thursday night from 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock p.m. You need to tell your neighbor, tell your friend, and I challenge all of you to at least get three callers and call in on Thursday and listen to the man of God, expound the word of God. We're going to uh, call him in now. I want to ask him a few questions. Apostle Lockamy, are you with us tonight? Um, I am. Good evening. Good evening, and God bless you, man of God. We thank you so much. You know you are so profound that God has given you that wisdom gift. Can you explain to the listeners what is a wisdom gift? Well, it's something, it's knowledge and understanding that you don't get in the natural. It comes from God. It, 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 it's, it's God's interpretation, God's knowledge. That's why, why Joseph, that's why uh, Daniel said whenever he had that dream and didn't understand the dream and the king going to kill everybody, Daniel prayed to God that God might give him the interpretation, not only what the dream was, but what the dream means. And Daniel said when it was all over after God gave him the revelation, he said, who is like unto God that, that can give us the deep and dark things that we know not of? So that's what wisdom from that dark stuff. That you know, the old folks used to say the dark, they used to say the dark sand of the elderly, the old folks, or the ancients. That means stuff that we didn't know God would have to give the revelation to. And wasn't there some passage of scripture that a king was having a dream and it was only one uh that could interpret the dream. Was that Jacob? Who was that that could? That, that, yes, uh, uh, that was Daniel. Well, you know, D- Jacob or uh, Joseph did also. You know, but Daniel was the one I was talking to earlier that kept them all from getting killed because the king was going to kill everybody because he felt like his soothsayer and dust and all those folks were playing games with him. They would tell him what the interpretation was, but that their own interpretation. So he said, if y'all are as powerful as y'all say you are, then tell me what I dream, and then what does it mean? They said, "Oh, King, who, do, who, what King would have asked his, his, you know, his suit sales and does and and and, and, and uh, uh, such thing is that nobody knows that, but God knows." Wow. Daniel said, "Tell the King, don't kill nobody. There, he's gonna kill everybody." Daniel said, "Tell him to steal his hand, and in the morning I give him an interpretation." Daniel not only told him what the dream was, Daddy told the man what he dreamed. So that's when you were a dreamer. Well, you can tell people. People tell you any kind of stuff now. You go tell them about your dream. You can talk about horses and cows and birds flying off the ass, all kind of mess, just as close as they can get, and have no knowledge at all what they even talk about. And what they interpret don't even mean that what they're saying. But when you can interpret the dream, tell me what I dreamed. I did tell me what it means. I tell you, you powerful, getting powerful, then. You're getting close to God. You know, cause, See, well, first of all, God won't get the glory. You got too many people trying to get the glory they say when you, you tell them about a dream. If you don't know what the interpretation of a dream is, be honest and tell that person. I mean, ain't nothing wrong with you not knowing. We don't know. If you don't know, you don't know. Because God who got the interpreter in the first place, if God ain't revealed it to you, you don't know. Wow. And I want you to, Apostle Lockham, because we're going to send this tape where it can be interpreted around the world so that our different listeners can understand in their nation. So I just want you to slow it down for me again so that people can understand you, because I know you get excited like me. Yeah. You said that the wisdom gift is one that gives you knowledge or interpretation that you would normally understand. It has to be revealed through God and come through God, correct? That is correct, yes. Wow. So let me ask you something. So because God is all-knowing and knowledgeable, what is so important about salvation? Well, it's what God is. What the importance of salvation is? God's plan for man's soul to be saved, and that's the that's the bottom and top line right there. That's how it's important. God fixed it so man would have to die and go to hell. People don't like the people. People don't like to hear when they, they don't like to hear you say go to hell. But let me explain something to that word. They listen to the word. It's been an ugly word or a bad word, and they don't want you to say it. Don't say hell. Hell is a place of judgment curse word. It's not a word, an ugly word to make somebody feel bad. It's like it's the same thing I say Raleigh or Durham 
or Washington, D.C., or Georgia. Those are places. Hell is a place, but it's a place of judgment. It's a place of torment. It's a place where God's going to punish those that disobedient and won't obey him. That's what hell is. Wow. So you said if we accept salvation, we won't go to hell but have eternal life? That's it. The Bible says he that had the son had life. But he that had not the son had not life, and the wrath of God should abide on him. That means he's going to hell. That means God wrath. God wrath is judgment in hell. That's what God punishment is for those that don't know God. Those that won't accept the Lord, his judgment, his wrath is the sin of the hell forever, eternal judgment. So if you don't know Jesus Christ, then you're going to end up spending your, your eternal soul, your soul going to end up eternally in, in the judgment, of which is hell. So what is eternal life? What does that mean? That means going to heaven. Your soul going to go to heaven and be with God forever. Eternally means just what it is. It's forever. Now, this is how someone interpreted forever to me. They said if a bird picked up a grain of sand off, off the beach, off the beach, any beach, picked up a grain of sand, one grain of sand off the beach, Threw that grain of sand all the way to Mars, and you know it's going to take him a long time if he could even get to Mars. Take that grain of sand or drop it off and come back. It's taking years now just for a probe to go to Mars. But think about this bird, how long it's going to take this bird. Fly it all the way to Mars, drop it off, come back, and get another grain of sand and do the same thing until he get all the sand off the sea. He will just be beginning. He won't even be beginning with eternity. Wow, so it's forever and ever. Forever. It's just that's the point blank. Yes, it's forever with no ending. So you're saying that salvation is not only good for my soul, but it can give me eternal life if I accept Jesus. Well, how will I notice Jesus, or where could I learn about him? In the Bible, to the pre- listen to the preacher, go to church, read your Bible. The Bible says, how should they know except they be a preacher? And how shall he preach except he be sinned? See, God's been the preacher, and you, you have to listen to the preacher. God got mouthpiece, he's a preacher. And when you listen to the preacher, he said, in the day you hear my voice hard enough your heart, he was talking about through the preacher. And when the preacher preached, listen to the preacher, because God had given the preacher the word of eternal life. But you said to go to church, and sometimes when you go there, people look at you because you don't dress like them or you look kind of dusty compared to them. So how can I listen to the preacher if the people in the church are making me feel uncomfortable or condemning me? Well, they have all kind of mean now, the Internet and the cell phones and Bibles and commentary. you got all kind of – you actually ain't really got to go to church to get saved. You just go to church to grow because the Bible says we're getting out of semi-self together. When we go to church, we don't go so much to get saved. We go so much to fellowship with our brothers and sisters we might grow for the strength one to the other. But you can get saved right at home in the grocery store, walking along the road out in your garden, picking tomatoes. You can get saved, uh, in, 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 you know, uh, at the beach or, or, or in the backyard. You know, that salvation is free. All you got to do is call on the name of the Lord, and you'll be saved. So you say it's good for me to go to church even though they got mean people just so that I could grow in fellowship in the Word, but I can also look at it on Internet and different places you said and find out about him. Is there anything, do I need to say something to him that I want to be saved? What do you recommend? Yes, the Bible says you've got to make, you've got to first ask him to forgive you for your sin, simply. Then when you repent, then, then, then accept him as your Lord and Savior, uh, Jesus Christ. Accept his atonement, because you know that he was born by the Virgin Mary. And you want to remind him of that, that I know, Lord, that you, that, that, that you were born by the Virgin Mary, you know, and how that you died on the you, you, you died on the cross for my sin. You rode on the third day. And you said, if I believe it, I shall be saved. So whoever called on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's just that simple. Accept his birth, accept his death, the death, burial, resurrection, and, 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 and accept him as your Lord and your Savior, and, 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 and the work will be done. So I'm going to ask you to give people a salvation prayer, but let me ask you something. Suppose after I get saved, people say I'm not good and saved whatever that means, and they said, I'm still doing the same thing over and over, so I must not be saved. What did that mean, good and saved? Well, they don't know what they're talking about, because when you say you say, they know good and saved. Uh, salvation is salvation to each and every one. Jesus made that plain when he talked about that day when he, he hired the men and gave, he told the men to go out into the field. He hired one at 9 o'clock 
you had one at 11 o'clock, you had one at 2 o'clock. But at 5 o'clock, he paid them all the same thing, which was eternal life. He paid them all the same thing. They were mad. So why did you pay us the same thing you paid them when they didn't come to work when we came? He was, he was setting a parable. He was making a point that we all going to get the same thing. That's why he said that the righteous should scourge to be saved. We all ain't none of us going to outrun the hood. We scourge are going to be saved by the grace of God. Wow. And if I mess up or they call it backslid, what can I do? Just if we repent, ask the Lord to forgive you. That See, people are going to judge you. They're going to call you a hypocrite, this and that, because you made a mistake. See, a Christian is not a hypocrite when he's sinning. A hypocrite is someone who don't know God, pretending to be God. When when David when David messed up with Bathsheba, he wasn't a hypocrite. He sinned. He he committed adultery, and God forgave him after he repented. See, when we when we sin, we have to repent, ask God to forgive us. And God said He's just and faithful to forgive. He said we confess our fault. He's just and faithful. See, we got too many people judging us according to their Bible, but it, but the Bible says if you confess your fault, God is just and faithful to forgive you for all your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Wow, because I see people sometimes, and I notice they be listening to TV or radio or they be watching the TV and listening to different shows, but they be judging. Look how she dressed. Look what she's saying. That's not in the Bible. Why do people do that are so quick to condemn others? Because they don't read the Bible to apply it to their life. And do what the scripture said in the book of Matthew. It said, Judge not that you be not judged, and measure not that be not measured unto you. But what measure you measure unto others, and what judgment you judge, you gonna be judged. And they read that and they go right and look right over it like it don't mean nothing. The Bible says it ain't he that read the Bible, but he that does the Bible. You can read the Bible all day and still not be in a right standing with God. You got to do it. It's the only way you apply it to your life. And don't judge people, don't measure people. Paul said we once were like that. We all have sinned and come short to go with God. But sometimes people act like they forgot that they were messed up one time too. Wow. So we just can always come back to God and repent? Is that what you're saying? Yes, like the particle son did. That's why he made that parable. God is always standing waiting. That that parable with that that particle son father with God, representing God. And look how the boy went out there messed up. But the father had an open arm. And the Bible says he put a ring on his finger and a robe on his hip, the fattest calf. He said, my son was lost and not found. He was blind and he now sleep. And that's the way God is waiting with open arms for us to come back. He said he was married to the backslide. Wow. So if you wouldn't mind, can you do a salvation prayer and a backslider prayer so that people can write, get right and I can get right with God too? Yes, everyone that is listening on the sound of my voice, just repeat with me, God. Forgive me for all my sins, shortcomings and faults. I sinned against you, Lord. I broke your commandment, and I disobeyed your word. I know that you sent your son. He was born by the Virgin Mary, and he was, he was crucified, dead, and buried. On the third day, he rose from the dead and declared victory over the grave, death, and hell. He's gone back to the Father and be with you in your, in your kingdom. He's now sitting on your right-hand side. You said, if I believe that in my heart and confess that with my mouth, I shall be saved, and I believe it now, Lord, and I ask that you would save me and become my Lord and my Savior for the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. Can we have a, what you say, repentance prayer? Is that the same thing? Yes. We repent it first. First you ask him to forgive you. Then I see asking to forgive you because when he forgives you, he's going to forgive you for everything. Not just one sin, he when you ask for forgiveness, that means he's going to forgive. I don't care if you got a million sins. When you ask for forgiveness, he's going to forgive for all those sins right then. Then you accept them as your Lord and Savior. Wow. How can I get that Holy Ghost? Is there a prayer for that, or what do I need to do? Because I keep hearing that Holy Spirit will help me and guide me and help me to understand things. So how do I do that? Can you well, for that? There's so, there's so many different kind of teachers on that, and people have been so confused. And to, when I first heard about the Holy Ghost, I was so confused. I thought I had to get on a plane and get me a ticket and go to Jerusalem. And they say, you got to go to Jerusalem. Old folks tell me, you got to go to Jerusalem. You got to tarry there until it comes. I ain't got no money to go to no Jerusalem. And I said, Lord, I guess I ain't going to get the Holy Ghost there. But see, that's a wrong understanding. See, Holy Ghost already done came. You ain't got to go and tarry no more. You tarry, they tarry. On the day of Pentecost, they tarry. But once he came, you don't have to tarry for something already come. 
If you gave me some money in my hand, I would not ask for $20 and you done gave it to me. I'm still asking you for the $20 and you done gave me the $20. See, when you become born again, you've been sealed. You've been sealed just like Tide, just like IGA or, or, or Walmart or Kroger. Whenever they make the can good, they stamp them with their, with their label. They put they stamp on them. They stamp right there. Same way it is when you've been born again. God stamps you with the Holy Ghost of promise. All you got to do is just keep on living right and keep on sanctifying yourself according to the Word of God, and the Holy Ghost going to come. He's already a promise. You ain't got to make it. You you ain't got to. People tell me you got to clean your life up before it comes. Well, if you got to clean up your life, you don't need the Holy Ghost to help you then. The Holy Ghost going to come and help you stay clean. Ooh. Can we pray that I, that people get the Holy Ghost? Yes, we can. Precious Father, I ask that you look down upon each and every one right now and make them aware, God, that it's already done. All they got to do is receive it. Paul asked a question. Paul didn't ask them, did you live right or have you cleaned your life up? Paul asked a question, have you received since you believe? Everyone understand my voice that have believed, Lord, in the Holy Ghost and been waiting on him because he's so confused and talked so much mess and the confusion that kept the Holy Ghost from coming. Let them know all they got to do is receive it. I blow on them. I breathe on them. Right now, the Holy Ghost might fall upon them and fill them up in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Woo, I starting to feel better already. Well, I'm going to get off, Dad. Is there anything that you'd like to tell the church for the next 30 minutes or sing a song? I'm going to turn it over to you now. All right. Be blessed. Okay. To God be the glory. We want to talk this afternoon uh, uh, on something that God has given me in particular, and that is the righteousness of God. And since we are, I'm glad that she brought that up about salvation and all this. We are, when you've been born again, you are right with God. You are right. There ain't nothing you can do. There ain't no money you can pay. Uh, it ain't about your money. It ain't about your business. It ain't about your eloquence. It ain't about your knowledge. It ain't about your your your, your, your education. The righteousness of God is, is, is having a right relationship with God where you can go in God's presence and don't feel guilty of sin. You don't feel no condemnation. For the Bible said if your heart condemns you, God is greater than your heart. What does that mean? That means that something condemning you, God know more than you know. You say you okay. You say ain't nothing right. But the Holy Ghost is condemning you, not condemning you, but condemning you to let you know that it's something in your life you need to get rid of. And when the Holy Ghost condemns you, you need to check yourself. You need to see if anything going on. But now, the scripture says, if your heart condemns you not, then do you have confidence toward God that whatever you're asking him to do, He's gonna do it. See, when your heart is confident, you know you ain't committed no sin, you ain't did no wrong, you don't live the best you know how that day. See, when you did the best you know how you do how to how to do today, then you walk perfect before God. People talking about well, you can't be perfect. The Bible says, "Be ye perfect, for I am perfect. Be ye holy, for I am holy." When you are walking to according to the Word of God, to the best of your ability, then you have lived righteous today. You have lived holy today. And see, that's why Jesus came. He came to me, you in right standing. You got a right relationship. You can go in God's presence and not feel bad, not feel condemned. So I come tonight to talk the difference between, uh, the, we talked about the law and grace the other night, but people are still living in the law. They're not living in the righteousness of God. They're living in the righteousness of the law. But what the law could not do, that's what the scripture says. What the law could not do, Christ Jesus did. He died on the cross that you and I may have a right standing, a right relationship. To become in God's presence, not be afraid, not to be fearful, not to feel condemned. Why? Because God has made it right for you to come in his presence. You are his righteousness. See, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That means we are godly because of Christ Jesus, not because of something we've done. But because of what God done for us. Now, you have to understand in the days of old, let me go back a little bit. In the days of old, the, the Bible says there was a king called Meshedadad, and, and Abraham offered up. Abraham offered up his tithe, gave his tithe to this man. Listen, the Bible said this man had no inherit, no, 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 uh, no, no, no kind of life history. He had no accessory. Nobody didn't even know who the man was, who his origin was, his mama, his daddy, his uncle, his aunt. This man was a stranger. 
And the Bible didn't even talk about it much. But this man, even though this man had no origin, he had no history, no no family line. Yet he was a powerful man, so powerful that that Abraham gave him his tithe, one tenth of all he had. Abraham gave to this man, and the Bible said he was the king of Salem, Machedad, who had no origin, uh, had no history, no 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 family line. Don't even know who his brother, sister, daughter, who his kids, nephew, niece, nobody. Who is this man so powerful? But yet this man found righteousness with God, and to Abraham was able to give him his tithe. Now, now you got to understand in the days of old, when you came before the, the, the priest and you sinned, you had to bring an animal, a goat or a pigeon or something. But whatever you gave that pigeon or that goat or whatever, it all depends on what sin you committed. That's what kind of animal you had to bring. And when you brought the animal to the priest, he would kill the animal and put the blood on the altar. And because of that sacrifice, God would forgive you for your sin. And that had to be done for all the people, don't matter how many people there was. One one man's sacrifice didn't cover another man's sacrifice. If there were 10 million people there that day, then 10 million sacrifices had to be done that day. Of course, they didn't do all the sacrifices on one day because different people came different days. But there were a lot of people came each day, thousands of people came with sheep and goats and pigeons. And, and, and the priests would kill them and put the blood on the altar, and their sin would be forgiven, and they would go home. But as often as they send it, they would have to bring a sacrifice, and that means all year long. And then one time a year, at the end of the year, the priest would have to go into the holies of holies. He had to be holy himself before he went in there. He had to be righteous himself before he went in there, or he would be destroyed. He would die. So they would tie a string around his feet so that when he went in, in case something happened that he didn't live like he's supposed to, they, they couldn't go in and get him because they would have died if they went in and got him. So they would drag him out of the temple if he died in there. But nevertheless, I'm saying this to show that how that that atonement was made by man. Man had to continue to make that atonement. But Jesus, our righteousness, only made an offer once. For the Bible said he died on the cross, and he went and he ascended down into the grave, and he rode on the third day morning, and he went back to heaven. And he offered up his blood on the altar in heaven one time. Now, remember, the preacher got to do it every day for everybody that offered it to come. Jesus offered up the atonement one time, and the scripture said never to offer it up again. It was done once, never to be done again. So now you don't have to go to, to offer up no sheep, no goat. Go to the priest behind the curtain. Now you can go to Jesus. Now remember, the atonement still got to be it's done been made, just like the, the, the just like the offering was made for the goats and all that. Jesus has already made the offering for him, but still you got to go to him. Jesus ain't gonna make no another offering now, cause he did that once, never to do it no more. But you still got to confess your sin. The Bible says confess your fault. He is just and faithful to forgive you for all your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Yes. Jesus doesn't die for your sin today, tomorrow, and the future. They've already been paid for. Once he offered up that sacrifice on the altar, he did it for once, never to do it no more. But still, you've got to confess his name. You've got to do it in the name of Jesus. You've got to go and say, God, in the name of Jesus, I did this. God, in the name of Jesus, I did that. But what's so good about it, you ain't got to curse no goat. You ain't got to curse no pig. You got to drag no, no sheep, no goat all the way from home up to the altar. All you've got to do is get on your knees. And the Bible said if you confess your fault, go to God and tell him I'm sorry. He's just and faithful to forgive you for all your sin and put you back in right standing with him. God wants you to be in right standing with him. If you are sinning, you are not in right standing. If you commit an adultery, you are not in right standing with God. If you commit fornication, you are not in right standing with God. If you fulfill the lessons of your flesh, you are not in right standing with God. Only in Christ Jesus. Are uh, you in right standing with God? And Jesus, listen, if, 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 if Jesus, if the Jesus you got, please hear what I'm going to say. This is much of great importance. If the Jesus you got ain't helping you stop sinning, you need to get rid of that Jesus. You got the wrong Jesus. If your Jesus ain't changed your life, if your Jesus ain't took the desire out of you not to sin no more, if your Jesus ain't helping you to live a better life than what you were living, if your Jesus ain't taking away the nature of sin out of you, then you need to get rid of that Jesus because you ain't got the right one. Then remember, there ain't but one Jesus. You just got somebody who fought with Jesus. Because Jesus came, 1 John said, that because of him, 
We don't want to sin no more. Huh? The Bible says, he said, sin is not in us no more. God is taking the seed of sin. You got to understand when you become born again, God take the seed of sin out of you. Before you were born again, you had the seed of sin in you. You had that adamant, you had that adamant nature, the nature of Adam in you. You had that, you had that adamant nature in you. So you, you, you sinned it because you had the nature to sin. You had the desire to sin. You wanted to sin. You got up in the morning and you sinned. You lived and went through the day sinning. You laid down sinning. Why? Because you had the nature of sin. But when you become born again, old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. Why? Because he took that nature of sin out of you. You don't want to commit adultery no more. You de- it ain't just something you decide, I don't want to commit adultery no more. No, it's bigger than that. It's a spiritual thing. God takes that desire out of you so that you don't want to commit adultery no more. You don't want to cuss no more. You don't want to fulfill the lust of the flesh no more. Now you want to walk in the spirit because it's something in you that's driving you. Yo, you got a new nature now. You don't have the nature of Adam. You don't have the nature you had when you were out there at the club and running around. You don't have that nature. You're born again. You're saved now. God has taken that nature out of you. But you got to know you got that nature. You have to call it Satan is tempting you. They're calling Satan is trying to drive you back where you came from. They're calling Satan trying to take you back to some old ways. You got to tell that devil, I am saved. I'm a born again believer. I'm a child of God. I'm blood washed. I've been redeemed. I've been bought with a pride. I'm a child of God. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not a fornicator. I'm not a lascivious person. I got the nature of God in me. I am a child of God. God is my father. I am his child. This is how you got to talk to that devil. Devil, shut up talking to me. Resist the devil, he'll flee. Tell him to get out of my head, Satan. I ain't doing that no more. I ain't that person no more. Huh? So sin don't live here no more. You got to step on your door so Satan will know that sin don't live there no more in your house. Sin does not have a resting place in you no more. You ought not be comfortable sinning no more because you don't have the nature of sin. If you comfortable sinning, then you might not have the nature of, of Christ in you. Because when Christ comes, oh, I get excited. Let me slow down. When Christ comes, he takes away the nature of sin, and you don't want to sin no more. Things begin to happen. When God saved me, I didn't know what was going to happen because I ain't never been saved, no. I didn't know what to experience because I'd never been saved. God, what I saw other people doing, I didn't know what it was going to do to me. You ain't going to know what it's going to do to you until it do it to you. But you got to get it for it to do it to you. It got to do for you what you let it do for you. And when I got saved, it began to change me moment by moment, minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year. I never thought I would be an apostle. I never thought I'd be a pastor. I never thought I'd be a prophet. I never thought I'd be a preacher or a teacher. But the moment he began to work in me, he began to manifest these things in me. He didn't start He Yes, it manifested now, but he started way back then. So you got to allow this righteousness and, and walk in it. Get up in the morning and quit letting the devil tell you you ain't saved. Tell the devil you ain't you you ain't this or you ain't that. You listen to him. You tell that devil, I am the righteousness of God. Oh, yeah, tell him right boldly. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Yes, you failed. Maybe you made a mistake. Maybe you came short of the glory of God. Maybe you've done something you don't even really want to talk about. But that's all right. You asked God to forgive you. God has forgiven you. And now you're back in a right standing with the Lord. So you, you tell that devil, yes, I messed up. Yes, I made a mistake. Yes, I did this. Yes, I did that. But I'm not going to let you condemn me. I'm not going to let you judge me. I am a child of God. I am an apostle. I am a preacher. I am a pastor. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And that's what we are. We are the righteousness of God. And nobody can take that away. He said, them that I hold in my hand, think about this. Here you is sitting here sturdy folk. Let them go down to South Carolina, Georgia, wherever they at, getting that, that, that rooty, rooty, duty, dirt, whatever that stuff they're getting. Let them go down there and spend their money on that stuff. Whoever God bless, no man can curse. Believe what the scripture, you are the righteousness of God. You can't be cursed because you're God righteousness. The only way they can get cursed you, they got to get God out of the way. God said, whoever I bless, let no man curse. God meant that. God told Bill Lamb that. He told Bill, he told Bill Lamb to go tell Bill Lamb, who I bless, let no man curse. And God meant just that today. People can't just curse you. Let them throw them pennies all down around your houses and them toady frogs and all that other stuff they're trying to use. Let them go on to the witch. 
God got the wit. The wit's got to listen to God. You belong to God, and God ain't going to let no wit do no more than he let the wit do because you've been born again. You are the righteousness of God, and God got your back. So you ain't got to be sitting around scared of what people say about you, what telling you what you are. They didn't say you. Paul said they ain't got no hell or heaven to put you in. So why are you going to let someone tell you who you are? They don't even know who they is. I'm still trying to find out who I am. How are you going to let people who don't even know who they is tell you who you are? You got to know who you are in God. You got to find out who you are in God because you are, you, are, you are a powerful person. You are amazing. You, nobody else ain't no more important than you are. Some of us may have greater gifts. Some of us may have more gifts. Some of us might make more be knowledgeable. Some of IQ might be our IQ might be better than the next. But that has nothing to do with who you are in God. Now we are, in God we are in righteousness. And God loves us all the same. He loves us all. He loves us all. Each and every one of us. His heart is for me. His heart is for you. He he desires that we make it. It's his desire that we prosper. So I encourage you this season. Walk in the righteousness of God. Know that you are in right standing. Quit looking at the mistakes you made. Quit looking at the sin you committed. Quit looking at that failure. Quit looking at that shortcoming. And tell that devil that you is going to walk right, that you is going to talk right, that you is going to do right. The Bible said if we name the name of Christ, ought we not walk like him? Now you say you're a Christian. You say you've been born again. You say you've been bought with a price. You say you've been watching the blood. Now walk that way. Talk that way. Act that way. Let the world see what you're talking about. Yes. So they're watching me. Everybody, they're supposed to watch you. You're alive. You're supposed to watch your life. They ain't doing nothing what they're supposed to be. Jesus said, let your light so shine that men should see your good work and glorify the Father in heaven. You ain't doing nothing wrong. You are not mind nobody watching you. You don't mind mind them looking at you. Why? Because you're alive. Nobody, nobody light a light a candle and put it on a table or on a bush, but you put the candle on the table, on the top of the table, and on the hill, so everybody can see. Because you are God righteousness. God want to be proud of you. He want to show you off like he showed off those in the Bible. He want to show, he showed Job off. Yes, Job was sick, but he showed Job off. He told the devil, have you seen Job? A judge of the upright man, a man that fear God and choose evil. God want to show you off. Huh? Let God want to show that devil they still some folk living right. They still some folk living safe. I get tired of folk talking about church folk. Ain't nobody living right. They're all of them hypocrites. I still know that all the church folk ain't no hypocrites. I'm not a hypocrite. And you are not a hypocrite. It's time that we prove to the world that, hey, there's somebody going to hold up, hold up a standard. There's somebody who's going to cross their teeth and dot their eye. There's somebody going somebody to show the world that holiness is still holiness. That holiness is still right. Holiness is still real. Holiness is still acceptable. Is that all right? Somebody got to wear their clothes like they know they're holy. Come on. We, 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 we think now that we can dress any kind of way, men and women, dress any kind of way, and it's okay because God ain't looking at your clothes. And that we use that scripture so that we can dress any kind of way. But we need to honor God. We need to honor God even in our clothes. We need to dress so that it's not a, pro, a, pro, a, a prerogatory. That it's not sinning. If you got on something that is to cause someone to lust after you, then you're sinning. Then you're not honoring God. Then you're not dressed according to God the way God would have. Now you can't you can't stop some men and women from lusting. That's what they're gonna do. But let it not be because the way you wear your clothes. You wear your clothes modestly. Wear your clothes like the Bible says Sarah did. She dressed it modestly. I often say, you know, you ain't got to wear your dress all the way down to your feet. But then also don't wear it all the way up to your hip. So there's a difference in all of that. You know, when you look in that mirror, ask yourself, I'm representing God. When you look in that mirror and see your clothes from your head to your feet, from your bosom to your hip to your feet, ask yourself a question. Is God pleased if I meet Jesus today? Will he be pleased to see me the dress the way I am? Would Jesus be pleased to see how I walked out that door this morning? Oh, all this is important. We need to get back to the standard. We need to get back to righteousness that is in God. And I said, see, the Bible said we got our own righteousness. The Bible said they get, they, they got their own righteousness, and they turned they turn the righteousness of God into a four-footed beast. They thought worshiping the creature uh, rather than – they thought working the creature rather than the creator. They thought certain of the animal, the cows and the goats, 
and the pigeon, and they start making eye to God, worshiping somewhere eyes and can't see, ears and can't hear, a mouth and can't speak. Who in the world got the audacity with good mind and good sense, and ain't lost their mind, that are going to serve a God and they got the toe? Can't move unless you're moving. Ask yourself a question. That's something to ask yourself a question. Your God can't see. Your God can't move. If you get sick, your God can't heal your body. Your God can't pick you up if you fall down. Your God can't even get up if you fall down. You got to pick your God up. And order for him to move from one place to another, you got to tote him over there. Now, what kind of God is that to you that can't even move from one place to another? You might want to get rid of that God. That God, you, you, you got a bad conception of what kind of God you got. He ain't got no brain. He ain't got no eyes. He ain't got no ears. He can't hear. He can't understand. He's just a piece of wood. He, he was what he was before you made him. He was a piece of wood when you made him and to a God. He was a rock when you made him to a God. Whatever you made him out of, he was that then, and he's still that now. Nothing. You just met around and then made something that's nothing. you more God than the God you made. You got more power than the God that you just made. Ain't that something? You said no with a God, you got more power than he is. Maybe you need to become his God because you got more God than you, more God than he is. So we got to understand that Satan will trick us. Satan will have us work in the creature rather than the creator. We'll be working the material thing that God gave us rather than God himself. Oh, when we find our right standing with God, that God is pleased when we're coming in his presence. God will be pleased when we get up in the morning. He'll be pleased at the life we live all day long today. God wants you to live so that he can use you every day, every minute, every hour. He wants you to walk in his righteousness. So let me get a scripture. I didn't give no scriptures. Might not give but one or two. But I want you to know here. In verse 1 and 30, it says, But by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. We are in God now. We, we, y'all noticed that earlier we talked about wisdom. You not only get righteousness from God, you get wisdom from God that you did not have. The moment you're born again, wisdom started in you. God began to show you stuff that you didn't even know. That you, oh, my God. Stuff that God didn't reveal to you that you didn't even know. You become, you become God becoming knowledgeable of things. When God saved me, I started being the knowledgeable of things that I didn't even know. Started making decisions that I wouldn't even have made. Started going in a direction that I wouldn't even have went because he gave me wisdom to change my direction. He gave me wisdom to, 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 to change the people that I was hanging around with. He gave me wisdom to stop doing the things that I was doing that were wrong. See, he don't only just give you salvation. He just only make you right, but he gives you wisdom how to walk according to his word. See, you don't know how to walk according to God when God don't give you wisdom. People can tell you all they want to. Their wisdom is limited. But if you want to walk according to the word of God, if you want to walk and please God, then you need a wisdom of God because it's spiritual. It's deeper than natural things. The wisdom of God will help. See, the, the wisdom of the world will only give you knowledge, but the wisdom of God gives you strength. It gives you power. It gives you direction. It, 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 it gives you thrust. It helps you to do what you need to do when the wisdom of the world will not do it. The wisdom of the world said, do it or don't do it, and that's all it does. But the wisdom of God says, do this, and I will help you. Do that, and I will help you. Stop this, and I will help you. Stop that, and I will help you. That's what the wisdom of God says. And that's what I'm so glad about it. It says in Romans 1 and 17, for in the righteousness of God it revealed from faith to faith, and it is written, that the righteous shall live by faith. See, now you used to walk in the flesh and you did the things in the flesh. You trusted in your own intuition. You trusted in your own direction. You trusted what other people say. Now you belong to God. You've been bought with a price. You are the righteous of God. Now you are to walk from faith to faith. Each and every day you're growing in God. you got to trust God. Trust him when it looks like he's taking you in the wrong direction. Trust him. When it looked like that, that what he said uh, ain't something you really want to do. And you said, well, God, why are you telling me to do this? I, I, this ain't right. God knows what you don't know. Trust him. Go in his direct. Let him lead you. Quit taking matters in your own hand. Well, why did you to get it on me so much? Because I did not trust the GPS when it first came out. 
But I thought that GPS was just not completely right, and all the time I'd be ended up going to, in, a, in, a, in a different direction because that caused that GPS because I didn't trust it, thinking something was wrong with the GPS. But come to find out it wasn't the GPS. Me that GPS had it out out on the highway. I don't care in the midnight hour on from where we be. I'd be fighting that GPS. It'd be telling me to reroute, reroute, reroute. I'm like, why are you telling me to reroute? I did what you told me to do, but I didn't do what it told me. To do. I thought I did what it told me to do. When it told me to turn, I turned right there. I didn't look at the sign to see what was on the high, on the road side. It told me to turn up a particular road. I turned because it told me to turn. And then when I turned, it said reroute. I said, now you just told me to turn. Now you're telling me to reroute. Why you keep telling me to reroute? But I realized that you got to look at the sign. When it tells you to turn on Lee Street, if that next street ain't Lee Street, don't you turn on that next street. You're going down to Lee Street. Because your GPS a lot of time will tell you before you get there so, so you won't run up on it all of a sudden. And that's what I was doing. I just started turning without looking to see what the name of the street was. And that's what we do. We follow every little spirit. When a little spirit come and tell us, the Lord told me to get up and go to the Walmart. The Lord told me to go to IGA and stand behind it. Baby, you can't listen to every little spirit come to your mind, every voice speak to you, because you'll be gone cuckoo. Huh? Be standing out in the middle of the road. The Lord told you to go out and stand in the middle of the road. You can't listen. The Bible said, try the spirit. And see whether it be of God or whether it be of the devil. Every spirit speaking to you is not of the Lord, and you cannot listen to it. Satan, remember, Satan's out there. He's an angel of light. He's an angel that he's coming to kill, steal, and destroy. You sit around listening to every voice you hear you want to, you're going to be in bad, you're going to be in, in, in bad, bad straight. You're going to be headed the wrong way, doing the wrong thing, and it ain't going to be God. That's why he said, try the spirit. See whether that's God or not. See, you try. When you, if you're fit to get married, ask the Lord to see the one, and be willing if He say no, not to marry. Don't go asking God that and no good and well you gonna marry anyway. You just ask and try to make yourself feel good. Don't ask God something if you don't want to answer, because the answer may not please you. So you ask the Lord and wait for His righteousness. Because he's going to drive you in the right direction. See, God's righteousness got it also to do with right direction. God ain't going to send you left. He ain't going to do that. When you pray, God ain't going to send you the wrong way. God ain't going to send you to the wrong place. God ain't going to send you the wrong way. Some people talking about God gave them this, this God, this is my, my real God gave it to me. Then five years later, they're talking about, well, I married the wrong. That ain't what you said five years ago. You said five years ago that God gave you that woman. Now, why all of a sudden, you ain't hearing the voice of God. Now, all of a sudden, you want to get out of a relationship. You want to lie on God because you said God gave it to you five years ago. If God gave it to you five years ago, she's yours now. Now, all of a sudden, you're hearing the voice of God to tell you that she ain't the one that messed up their lives, and now you're ready to get out lying on God. That's why we need to wait and hear the voice of God. Ask God because before you go and put that ring on that finger. You ask God, and God will, let, will not direct you in the wrong direction. Second Corinthians 5 and 21 says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Did you hear what I just said? Oh, oh, oh yeah, this here. I might listen to what it said. It said he made him who was no sin. See, Jesus want no sin, but God made him in the sin. They accused him and said, hung him on the cross. He became sin on the cross. He didn't, remember now, he didn't sin on the cross. He just became sin on the cross in the eyes of the people. The Bible said he made him sin who knew no sin that we might be the righteousness of God in Christ. And by what Jesus did down on the cross, by him giving himself as a sacrifice, he made us in right standing with God. Now God accepts us. God, that's why we got to pray in the name of Jesus. We got to come to God in the name of Jesus. I want to talk about that a minute as I get ready to close out. Now, you might be praying wrong. That might be the reason you ain't getting your prayer answered. You don't go to God praying to God, except you do it in the name of Jesus. Jesus never told you to pray to him. We got people praying to Jesus now. You ain't supposed to pray to Jesus. You're supposed to pray to God. But Jesus said, whatever you ask the Father in my name, that I'll do. He didn't say, whatever you ask me. He said, whatever you ask the Father. See, remember, God gives Jesus power. Yes, Jesus has been given the power, everything but the throne. But you still got to go to God to pray. But you pray to God in the name of Jesus. Don't you remember Jesus said when they said, good master? He said, ain't no good, ain't none good to follow. Get up from there, don't worship me. He said, ain't none good but the Father. 
God is always in first place. But in order for you to get to God, see, remember, we, didn't, we couldn't get to God in the past because we had sin in our lives. But now Jesus has broke down the middle wall of petition so we can get to God. So when you pray, pray in the name of Jesus. Not pray in the pray to God to pray to God in the name of Jesus. Whatever you add to God, ask him for it in the name of Jesus. Go ahead and pray your prayer. But when you pray, get to praying your prayer. Say in Jesus' name, God, I ask you all these things in the name of your Son, God, who died on the cross, God. I ask these things in His name, and God will accept your prayer. No, not in the name of Mary Magdalene. Mary, Mary ain't died on the cross for you. Not in the name of the Sacred Heart. They ain't died on the cross for you. Jesus died on the cross for you. He the one said that you're talking. Mary was just a vessel. Mary was just a vessel for the Lord to use to bring Jesus into the world. After that, that was it. She was not to be worshipped. She was not to become a seant. She's just a vessel that God used to bring our Savior into the world. But in the name of Jesus, he said, every knee must bow. And every tongue must have said that Jesus is Christ. Not in the name of Buddha, not in the name of Bahama and Muhammad, but in the name of Jesus. Every knee must bow. Every tongue must have said that Jesus is the Christ to the glory and the honor of God. And that's what I like about it, how God has fixed it. That I ain't got to walk around feeling guilty. I ain't got to rock around feeling condemned. For the Bible said, I believe it was the eighth chapter, I think it is, of Romans, it says, they are therefore now, no condemnation. And those that walk in the spirit, that walk after the spirit and not after the flesh, we are not to be condemned. Who can accuse you? Nobody can accuse you. Nobody can bring no accusation against you. You've been bought with a prize. You're not your own. You belong to Jesus. And for that reason, he died for us. He bought you. He purchased you. You belong to him. And he wants you to walk free. He wants you to walk in his righteousness. He wants you to walk pleasing in his sight. You ain't got to come before him fearful. That's why it said, come boldly to the throne of grace. When you come to the altar, don't come, oh, shaking like you done, done something wrong. Come boldly, even if you're done wrong. Come boldly to the throne of grace. that you might find mercy and grace to help you in the time of need. Come boldly to your God who waits for you to come. He wants you to confess your fault. He's slow to anger and quick to love. He wants you to walk in his righteousness. That's why he died on the cross, that you might be right with him. And by being right with him one day, you'll be able to be with him in heaven. You'll be able to be able to sit at that table in glory, in, 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 sit at that table in glory in your righteousness. So continue to stay right with God. Continue to walk in His Spirit. Continue to walk in His Word. Remember, this is a free gift that has been given to you, and to each and every one of us. By grace are we saved. It's not of ourselves. I like that. By grace are we all saved. It's by grace. We, every one of us, saved by grace. That's why He said we're going to scarcely make it in. By grace are we saved. It is not of ourselves. Otherwise, we ain't got no reason. It's a gift of God. It's God's gift. Grace is God's gift. It's not of our, it's not a, by grace are we saved. It's not of ourselves, but it's the gift of God. It's not a word. Let any man suppose. Can't nobody boss about, oh, I, I, I did this and I did this. This why I got salvation. I did this. I've been preaching a long time. I done been all over the other country. No, baby. Your salvation was given you by grace. Just like my salvation was given me by grace. I can't boss and you can't boss. Ain't none of us in no position to boss about our salvation because it all was given to us freely by God. And this and this too. If your salvation God gave you ain't helping somebody, you might need to go get some go check your salvation out. God saved you that he might use you to save others. God brought you out that he might use you to bring others out. God delivered you that he might use you to deliver others. God forgave you for your sin that he might use you to go out there for others and be forgiven for their sin. God didn't just save you so you can wait a bound and look at me, I'm saved. Ask those several questions. How many people have been saved since you've been saved? How many people have? How many people got saved because you saved? How many people got born, been born again since you've been born again? How many people have you witnessed to? How many people have you converted? That's the purpose of God saving you. Go in the highways and byways of the hedges. How many people know you saved? How many people know you a Christian? How many people know you've been born again? How many people know you've been washed by the blood of the Lamb? How many people lives have been changed now, and they're going to go change somebody else's life because of you? God told me to talk about his righteousness. He said, you are. Quit letting folks make you feel like you ain't. You are. I ain't any feeling. 
you, you start to feel it. At times you're going to feel like you ain't saved. At times you're going to feel like you're coming short. At times you're going to feel like you ain't what you need to be in God. But remind yourself that I'm not that person no more. I don't live in that that, that, that address no more. Uh, I done moved into a brand-new location. I done moved into a brand-new spiritual home, not made by the hand of man. I ain't that person no more, but I'm a child of God. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You remind yourself now, just remember who you are. Stand firm with your shoulders up, rear back like a soldier, and walk in his righteousness every day. And as you walk in his righteousness, you're going to go from glory to glory, from grace to grace. You're going to be able to help somebody after a while. You may not be able to help nobody right now, but after a while you're going to be able to help people with the same going through, the same stuff that you've been through. Precious Father, I just thank you. I just praise you and I just lift you up about letting us know this evening that we are righteous. So many have been so confused, Lord. Even after being born again, they feel lost. They, they, they feel like they failed you. They, 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 they don't know where they're at in you, oh God, because Satan keeps talking to them, reminding them of the mistake they made, the sin they committed, and they're beating themselves all up. But will you let them know this evening, oh God, that you don't forgave them? Will you let them know this evening that they, they sin they've been forgiven? And for the east, for the west, and the north, for the south, you don't cast that sin. You don't cast the iniquity. You don't cast that transgression. You don't cast that wrongdoing. And they are now in right standing with you, oh God, that you are pleased with them. You are satisfied with them in the name of Jesus. I just thank you for it, Lord. Move all guilt. But the Bible says Satan is the accuser of the brother. Move his old guilty hand, Lord. He ain't nothing but an accuser. Walking around accusing somebody, reminding us of the mistake we make, reminding us of the shortcoming we, we have, reminding us of sin that we committed, trying to condemn us, oh God. But, but you the one died on the cross. He didn't die on the cross for us, but he wanted to remind us of the mistake we made that you might make us feel like that you don't love us some more, that you are judging us, that you that, that you condemning us, that you don't wrote us off. But we are so glad this evening, oh God, to know that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We are a born-again believer. We are a child of God. We've been washed in the blood, and that's exciting to know, oh God. I ask you to touch somebody this afternoon that might be sick, somebody that might be afflicted, somebody that might be sick for a long time. It seems like the sickness don't want to go nowhere. I bind it up now in the name of Jesus. I take authority over that. See, I don't care what the doctor says. I don't care how long that sickness has been there. I bind it up in the name of that, that, that sore, God, that, that wound that don't want to heal on that leg, God, that wound on that leg, that wound on the leg, that wound on that foot that don't want to heal, God. I command that wound to heal up right now. According to Isaiah 53 and 5, Psalm 103 and 3, so you the God that forgive all the iniquity heal all the disease. I command that wound, God. Seems like it's a diabetic wound, God. It's a diabetic wound. Shabbabaha. It's a diabetic It's a diabetic wound. I, I command it to be healed right now. I command it to be dried up right now. I command it to be made whole right now. They did not lose that leg. They did not lose that feet. In the name of Jesus, the doctor be amazed to be astonished. How this thing has turned around, taking the infection out of it, take the bacteria out of it, whatever causing it not to heal. In the name of regulate the blood pressure, regulate the blood sugar, heal this wound. I commanded, I commanded to be made whole now. I commanded the wound to be made whole now. In the name of Jesus, touch somebody now, God. The, the devil seemed to want to give them a heart attack, but I bind up this heart attack right now. Everyone on the side of my voice, where the enemy is trying to give them a heart attack, I bind up this heart attack right now, and I take authority of God. Move out of the blood vessel, in the blood vein, in the blood cell, white and red blood cell. Build, oh, God, move all that bill up out of the, out of the blood vein. All that bill up is in the blood vein, God. The arteries seem to want to close. Open them up, God. Go in there and, go in there and do an operation and open them up, God. I come against a stroke, God. In the name of Jesus, I come against cancer, God. The prostate in the colon, in the breast, in the blood cell. I come against cancer now in the name of Jesus. And I command that they be healed. And I command that they be made whole. And the glory and the honor and the praise that shall be thine. In Jesus' name we pray. We thank you. We lift you up. And we magnify your name. In Jesus' name we pray, God. Now we are indeed, and let it be known, God, over the radio world, that they might take it home with them, God. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And we thank you for that. We praise you for that. We lift you up for that. We're going to walk in that tomorrow. We're going to walk in that next week, God, because we are the righteousness of you. You are in us, and we are in you, and we are grateful for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. 
Thank you, Dad. You're welcome. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VDW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.